Welcome to the Pursue of Bliss podcast. My name is Kristen. I'm a self-professed health, spirituality, and mindset junkie. You know that blissful happiness you feel when you're just at peace with yourself, living fully in the present moment? That's the feeling I believe we are all in the pursuit of. And I want to help you get one step closer by up-leveling your health, mindset, and love for yourself. Because that lasting and blissful happiness can only be found and created within. So get ready for all things mindset, holistic health, and spirituality. I hope this serves you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pursuit of Bliss podcast. And this episode is actually something special because I haven't done this before. I'm bringing back a guest who was on the podcast back in May. Uh, his name is Kian. He is my personal 101 coach. I've been working with him since May 2020, so I think about nine months now, and he has completely changed my life. One of the most powerful coaches that I have ever worked with. I have him to thank for a lot of the the magic and beauty and abundance that I've been able to manifest because of how deeply he's helped me in surrendering um, to the universe and to, to really deeply going internally to the dark parts of myself that have been really hard to look at, especially on my own. And because of him, I've also been able to really help my own students on a, on a really deep level that I haven't been able to access before. So I've been creating a greater impact in the people I'm helping and, and in my own life and my own reality. And I highly recommend if you haven't already, go back and listen to episode 51. It's called From NFL Dream Life to Rock Bottom, How to Rise Through Adversity with Kian. I highly recommend listening to that one first if you haven't, or at least listening to that one after this one to get a full understanding of Kian and who he is because Honestly, my belief is that he is one of the best coaches or mentors um, in the entire world. The work he does is absolutely incredible, absolutely life-changing. And in this episode, we dive really deep into what that work is, how he's changed my life, um, what emotional sovereignty means and why it's so important. And in my opinion, this is the secret key to manifestation that no one else out there is teaching. And the reason I'm able to teach it to my students is because I've learned from Kian, who is the master at it. And truly, he talks about some of the strategies we can use to literally shave years off of your life and attract the life of your dreams with ease so that it literally just shows up for you. Or in Kian's word, allows God to deliver that life to you. And we talk about, you know, Kian has created an incredible, incredible life for himself. He's living abroad in Brazil. Just like before this episode, he was feeding monkeys on this mountain with a beautiful view of the ocean. And he's living an incredible life and just watching and seeing how fulfilled he is. And what the, the kind of impact he's making on this world at the same time is truly inspiring because I've watched a lot of his journey unfold. I've been a part of it as he's been coaching me and I've seen and I've seen how embodied he is in everything that he teaches and that's really rare to find in a mentor or a coach or a teacher, someone who is truly embodied in everything that they teach and Kian is. He's one of the most incredible people I've ever met. He's changed my life more than I can even put into words and instead of trying to describe how amazing he is in words, which isn't possible, I'm just going to go ahead and play the interview so you can hear for yourself and if you do want to connect with him, um, I highly recommend it. He's on Instagram at kian.logie. It's K-E-Y-E-N dot L-A-G-E. Highly recommend you connect. 
And um, with that said, here's Kian. Okay, well, hello everyone. And Kian, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you back. I actually think that you are, I think you're the first guest that I've had back on the podcast. So um, I'm so excited for this and uh, thank you for being here. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that I was one of the only ones, the only one that's been able to be blessed enough to be able to come back onto your podcast twice. So that adds some extra excitement to the energy. So I'm excited to be here, Kristen. Yeah, definitely. And um, if you want to just maybe introduce who you are and what you do and all that stuff um, for people who, who don't know you. Yeah, certainly. So for anybody that hasn't listened to the first podcast where I really go in on my background and where I come from and how I got the position that I'm in now. Um, and I know Kristen already encouraged you guys to go listen to that. Uh, so I'm just going to play off that you already have gotten a good background of me and, and where I'm at. Uh, but what I'm currently doing is working with high performers, people that have already created a lot of success for themselves in their lives through uh, having awesome relationships, building good businesses, being able to make some good money, uh, and I mastered a lot of what it takes to establish a good foundation of personal development in ourselves that really want to take their lives and, and their businesses and uh, their skills to the next level with joy, with that success they're continually looking for and, and more impact as well. So that's primarily the space that I play in now is I coach high performers and now starting to get into working with more coaches, which has felt inspiring in this season to be able to learn how to work with high performers. Uh, and to take their coaching businesses to the next level as well. So those are things that I do now uh, for my work. But what I like to do for fun is uh, travel to different destinations. Right now I'm in, in Brazil and experiencing a bunch of cool different things uh, with my life and uh, put myself in different situations and experiences that are uncomfortable at times, but are uh, end up being incredible reference experiences for me and um, learning lessons a lot of the times too. So I'm out here in Rio, enjoying my life, hitting the water. Was feeding some monkeys this morning up on uh, on a mountain. So, <laughs> we're, geez, we're you're fun. living the life. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is amazing, and um, yeah, I know that we we started working together around the time we recorded the first podcast, which I think might have been in May of. 2020, if I'm remembering correctly around then. And I know that both of our lives have changed a lot dramatically since then. Um, mine being partially because of all your help um, and us working together, but I know that yours has as well. So do you want to tell us what has, you know, how does your life look different now than it did back when you were on the podcast and what were like the big shifts that really made that happen? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So I've been living in Colombia all of 2019 I got back to the U.S. and obviously Corona hit and uh, I was living in Miami, which was where I was living before I was in Colombia. So I was in Miami Beach uh, growing my coaching business. And really, that was in the heat. I think when we did the interview, it was like right as Corona was hitting and that's when everybody was freaking out about. I remember like a couple days before that, I went and stocked up on toilet paper, being all proud about that. And uh really just excited. Like, honestly, the pandemic, a lot of people were very scared and freaked out, but maybe this is me. I don't think there's a lot of people like me in this regard, but, um, I, when there's a lot of turmoil and chaos, I tend to step up and really perform at a, at a high level. Um, playing, you know, at, at the professional level for football, 
my biggest games were always when there was the most on the line, when there was the biggest crowds, when most eyes were on me. So when there's odds against me or, or things that are adverse things that, that are pushing against my capacity of being able to perform or succeed, I tend to really step up. And during that time, uh, I just made this commitment to myself that I was just going to pour into me and pour into the people that I was working with. Now, my coaching business wasn't as big as it is now. Uh, so it was probably about half of the size because I just do straight one-on-ones with people. Uh, but during that time, it was like, I remember just just buckling in and being like, yo, let's just go. Like, I'm going to make this happen. And I, I was in a big season as well of um, staying down, of really not stepping up when everybody else was. Uh, as far as being out in, in social media and uh, getting everybody to feel good and being a, an external leader. But I was more so just during that, that time cocooning really hard, really hard. And I had my girlfriend at the time too. And we were just living our life there in Miami and uh, creating as, as awesome of a life as we could for ourselves and not really being very um, external, not really being very um, out there. And I think during that time, uh, it was so powerful me, for me because I'm so used to being a leader. Right? I was a two-time Division One captain for my team, and I'm always used to being in the spotlight with helping people in times of need. So during that season of Corona, it was so powerful for me. This is one of my biggest things that I was working through with myself was, was not needing to have to be the savior, not needing to have to be the one that steps up in a position that, that helps everybody else, but more so just staying in-house and making it only about me and the people that have chosen to invest in me, right? And so that was difficult in its own right because I am so used to being in the spotlight, but paid off so well because it allowed me just to bring a lot of energy back to myself and you know, allowed for me to continually build a more and more awesome life for me. So I tend to do things differently from what everybody else is doing anyway. That's just how I live. Uh, but during that time was very much just like a really like closed off and in my own energy and um, hibernating and cocooning. And yeah, uh, I remember feeling, that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to say, I mean, do you feel like that's, that's paid off now? Because I feel like oftentimes when we do the opposite um, or what everyone else is doing, it also has the, a greater outcome in the end when you do what doesn't feel comfortable for you, not stepping into that savior mode, which I have that as well. So I know exactly what it feels like. So do you feel like you doing that paid off more in the end and you having the impact? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Because my, I don't like to be super active on social media. Like if people looked at my social media now, like you probably wouldn't learn a lot about my coaching, to be honest with you. Uh, you might get some bits and pieces, you might feel it, but uh, you know, I, I don't like to be, have to be overactive on social media. And for me, it was important to be able to, to live the life that I want to live. And I, you know, for me, my, my best idea of how that would get me the place I wanted to be was through just doing whatever I wanted to do. And, and that was just pouring into the people that I was working with. So I built the business off of word of mouth and not having to spend as much time being on social media and being the guy that's influencing all of the people that are influencing everybody else. So how I feel my greatest impact can be had isn't through reaching the masses or talking to everybody, but more so through reaching the people that are influencing everybody else. That's where I feel like I can make the greatest impact um, for, for me personally. Now that took a little while for me to really say, Hey, this is really where I'm at, what I want to do. But, um, having a clear idea of where I'm at and where I want to be 
had allowed me to have more confidence in stepping into how I want to do things. Yeah, totally. And I can, I can see that. And I know I've told you this before, but like, I can see the shift because I've been working with Kian since like past May, um, we work one-on-one together. Uh, he coaches me. And since we started working together, I've seen the shift in you and your energy. And I remember, I remember you in your cocoon phase and just seeing you now. And I feel like maybe I'm wrong, but you're like more in the butterfly phase now. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> I just feel that energy from you. Um, so I guess with that said, I mean, tell us more about what your life looks like now in the phase that you're in now. <laughs> it's Are you, you in that. the butterfly phase or am I just, you know, you know like, <laughs> I, I, I am in a different way. I am in a different way. Like butterfly, yes, as in much more, not, not as like just staying in my, yeah. my, my own space a lot. Uh, God, I still kind of am. I, I feel like I'm just more open on, on social media, making it more of a personal thing for me. Like it's just more yeah. personal. It's just like fun. I go whatever, whatever I want to post, I, I post and Sometimes it's, it's informational. Other times it's not, it's me and my speedo and, uh, it's great. So, uh, my life right now, I mean, do you have a specific <laughs> question about it? Like I could walk you through my day if you wanted me to, it's, it's great. I, I love it. I, I could walk you yeah, through Yeah. I day. mean, yeah, because I mean, the reason I asked that is I just feel like me knowing a little bit about your life, that you're just living an incredible life right now. And I just know that you're so happy and fulfilled in everything you're doing. And I know that a lot of people listening want to create the kind of life that you have, right? Like you're really living your life right now, especially in a time period where a lot of people feel the opposite, like their life is getting worse. And I know for you, it feels like yours has been getting better. So if you want to share like kind of, yeah, what does your daily life look like a little bit? And how did you make that happen and make those shifts happen, especially when Mm. most of the world seems to be moving the other direction? Mm, Yeah. Well, let me, let me first go with the how. Uh, the how is is through my capacity to tune into what I want and how I want to live uh, and being able to go through uh, uh, coaching myself and a lot of deep inner work to be at the place of being able to really tap into that and not step into the FOMO and not, not step into the um, fear that a lot of people are experiencing. Um, God, but Kristen, like... <clears throat> I feel like I've always been able to do a relatively good job at being in my own lane, like, like knowing what I needed to do to get what I wanted. Uh, but a lot of it is self-belief at the end of the day. Like it, it's all self-belief that I have in myself. And through me setting things for myself and doing them, but also working through a lot of deep internal things inside of myself as well. It The byproduct is more confidence and more um, ability to, to step into doing things that most other people can't and won't ever do uh, without having a lot of people to reaffirm that. So a lot of it's just the self-belief that I've been able to acquire more and more of as time goes on of me doing things that I want to do, doing them well, accomplishing it, building more uh, confidence in myself, and then doing more stuff that I want to do. So I didn't just wake up one day saying I wanted to move to Brazil with living in South Dakota. You know, before that, it's been a beautiful gradual process of, of uh, me moving from South Dakota to Miami. Then I moved from Miami to Colombia. Then I, I moved back to the U.S. And then now I, I came back out here. So it's been just a process of me committing to what I've thought I would to do, getting a good outcome, building a little more confidence, and then doing something a little more outside of my comfort zone. 
And I've done that for the last five years since getting done playing football. And so it's more so been an accumulation of, of you know, the confidence I gained from, from accomplishing my lifelong dream, right? That, I mean, that helped a lot. Uh, but then also continually just committing to what I've wanted to do. I never worked a nine to five. Like I, I've never worked a nine to five. So I've always kind of always done what I've wanted to do. Uh, but the more I've done that, the more confidence I've gained in, in um, being able to do more and more of it. Yeah, I, I love that. And I mean, I'm curious for you, like you knew the kind, or I believe that you knew the kind of life you wanted to create with this freedom. You didn't want a nine to five. So is this something where you like, Hey, I have this vision and I'm going to like make it happen. Or was it more like you just kind of following what felt inspired and it played out like this. So did you have this vision and you're just like, I'm going to make this happen or just, I'm going to follow what feels good and, and see what life has in store for me. Yeah, it's been it's been a little bit of a combination of both. I you know I tell the story in in our first uh, podcast interview of me reading the book called The Biology of Belief mm-hmm. and learning about this this heaven on earth and how we can actually create this thing uh, with this really complex unique equation that uh, very few people are able to tap into, and that really intrigued me. And I'm like, I want to know what this is. I want to want to be able to step into it. So reading that book when I was in South Dakota just after I got done playing football. I didn't know what I wanted to do. That book was like, yo, this is what you want to do. And from there, I just took the first step that I knew uh, would, that felt good to me with getting closer to that, which was just being a personal trainer. I never thought I'd be a personal trainer in my life, but you know, the inspiration took me in a different direction and, and I did that. So there was something inside of me that was like, hey, I want to get to this place of understanding what this heaven on earth is for me. And then from there, I just followed what I wanted to do after that, right? And so as time's gone on, I've gotten more and more clear and what I've wanted has shift and changed a lot. And I would say I'm really, really good at pivoting and being fluid with my inspiration. Where I started with personal trainer, then I went into internal health specialist, then I went to more uh, personal development type of stuff. And then now I'm in this like next level, uh, heart, mind, emotional type stuff that, that very few people are, are familiar with. Right. So I'm very fluid and and I pivot very easily with following my inspiration without getting too attached to things that I previously chose to get into. So uh, I'm good at taking action when I feel inspired, but I'm also good at understanding, okay, when is it time to pivot and when do I want to go to this next thing? So I'd say both of those together are very, very important to be able to embody. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's incredible because everything you're saying, like, I see that you're totally embodied in it, which is incredible because I think a lot of people we've talked about this, like have all of these ideas as concepts, right? You can learn about these ideas, but to actually embody them is something completely different. And I want to talk a little bit about what you said with the emotional, I forgot we called it emotional and heart centered work that you do. Um, because what's called emotional sovereignty. Emotional sovereignty. I like that. Emotional sovereignty. Uh, because this is a lot of the work that we've done together that, together that has absolutely transformed my life in a way that I can barely put into words. And I think it's a big part of, I don't know what you want to call it, personal development or manifestation that most people don't ever tap into. So what exactly do you mean by emotional sovereignty? Why don't we start with that? Yeah, that's great. Isn't it just a great, like emotional, it's just a powerful phrase. Yeah. I've never heard you say it like that. I really like it. It clicks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Emotional sovereignty. Right. And and, and I've never, I'm coining that. Okay. So I'm I'm taking the credit for that. Uh, uh, But emotional sovereignty, emotional sovereignty is being able to tap into a place of knowing that 
I'm okay regardless of what happens externally. Mm. Right? So I'm okay regardless of what happens externally. And going from a place of needing emotional validation to justify reasons that we do things or feelings that we have to this is just what I want. This is how I'm feeling. And it doesn't matter what anything or anybody else is feeling around me. Right? So emotional sovereignty is being able just to be in our own space, our own energy, and to feel independent of what anybody else is feeling. It's to take action independently than what anybody else is doing as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I remember, I think you put this in, I don't remember where I saw you say this, something about um, you allow yourself to feel good when people around you don't or the world around you doesn't or something similar to that. And um, that was really powerful to me because something I've been feeling is guilt about me feeling good when I know that a lot of people don't. Um, so do you want, want to maybe touch on that and what, what you meant by that? Yeah, it, it can be very easy for, you know, I would say emp- very empathetic. You know, some people use the term empath, uh, people that are very sensitive to other people's emotions to fall into uh, how other people are feeling because we feel like we have to get on the boat with them for them to feel okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but actually it's the complete opposite. And this is where a lot of coaches go wrong. So I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, they're, they're manifestation coaches uh, and coaches in general, which is great to, to hear and listen to, but actually it doesn't benefit anybody by us uh, jumping into that, that boat of the ocean of emotion with them, it doesn't actually benefit them. It's actually just a comfortable position for us to be in um, that allows our insecurity to be masked. So uh, it doesn't benefit anybody. I know this is really like just flat out cut and dry. Normally I like to talk more root-based things, but really it doesn't benefit anyone for us to go down to somebody else's level to make them try to feel uh, a certain way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And um, it's something that I've had to work through in the past, you know, six months, nine months, whatever. And like my understanding of it is when you allow yourself to completely shine, step into your light and feel good or whatever you're feeling, um, you're creating that maybe the example for someone who needs to see you do it to believe that it's possible for them. And that's the way I think of it. Yeah, it's permission. It's like, oh, wait, they can do it. They're feeling that good. I can get there too. And like you said before, Everything is based on belief in yourself. And sometimes to believe in yourself, you need to see that someone else could do it. So I think of, you know, if you're holding yourself back in any way, whether it's how you're feeling, feeling or your financial circumstance or anything out of empathy for others, it's selfish uh, because someone, someone out there needs to see that, that you can do it too. Um, and so that's what's really helped me in the past few months to kind of, um, allow myself to allow my life to keep getting better. Even when I feel like the other part of me is like, wait, Kristen, your life shouldn't be getting better because a lot of people's aren't. Um, And that's been huge for me. Yeah. And you've done, you've done such an incredible job of stepping into that head first as well, right? Stepping head first into that and dealing with it and handle all my, it's, it's so inspiring. And that's why, you know, Kristen, very similar to me, right? The reason why I think we're both Mm -hmm. in the positions that we're in, as far as creating these awesome lives for ourselves is our capacity to acknowledge that we have things that we have to work through and, and acknowledge mm-hmm. that uh, there's a, there's uh, things that we want and we're vulnerable enough to step into the place of addressing the things that are holding us back from getting what we want. Right. Which is so, so, so powerful. Uh, but I think one of the most amazing things to understand with, this concept of not going down to how somebody else is feeling to make them feel better 
is that it's actually not even about other people. It's not even that we, we just care too much about this person or that we want them to feel better. It actually has more to do with, and you and I have talked about this, more mm -hmm. to do uh, with protecting ourselves and protecting ourselves from the potential outcome if we don't go to that place with them. What we think will happen is a byproduct to us that causes us to do that, right? If I don't emotionally give all of myself to this person in this experience, will they leave me? Will, will it be enough, right? Well, will they stick around? Okay. So it really has nothing to do with other people, but everything to do with the result of the byproduct of what will happen if we don't give all of this to them. Right. And, and the more we can tap into that and understand like, Hey, I'm actually not just really loving. I don't actually just care too much. Uh, it's more so that I'm scared. And in order for me to protect myself from somebody leaving or something bad happening to me, I have to overgive emotionally to, to these people and I have to come down to their level. That is, yeah, huge, 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 huge level of awareness. Um, but I think as I know for me, it's difficult. And for a lot of people, it's difficult. Like we can talk about this all day, but actually embodying it is hard. And um, tapping back into the emotional sovereignty, because that's, I think this is one example of that. Um, you know, for, for someone who's listening to this and is like, oh my gosh, that's me, I'm overgiving. Like, how do I achieve more emotional sovereignty? Or how do I, um, I don't know, like end this pattern? What would be some advice that you'd give to someone who's in that position and listening to this and like, whoa, I'm, I'm just like this. <laughs> yeah. What were some of the biggest things that you felt like you were able to do that's allowed you to step more into this emotionally sovereign place? Mm. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is understanding, like you said, that it is all about us, right? When we're, when we're overgiving, it's because we're avoiding feeling something. And so for me, it's understanding, okay, what is it that I'm avoiding feeling? What is the emotion right now that I'm trying not to feel? And can I become okay with feeling it? And I think that's most of the work that we've done together is at least for me, my biggest takeaways have been understanding that, um, emotions aren't good or bad. And that's a concept that I knew. Um, but actually giving myself permission to fully feel every emotion and no longer being afraid of an emotion coming, or I'm still working to get to that place, right? Uh, it's a process. It's a journey. But when you're not afraid of feeling an emotion, then you can actually be fully embodied in whatever your actual soul desires are, because it doesn't matter um, how people react, because it's just an emotion I'm going to feel that I meant to feel. And I believe that when I follow my truth in every single moment and what feels good and authentic and real for me, no matter what that is, regardless of how people will react, it's going to end in the best case scenario for every single person in the long run. Um, and I think for me, a lot of the overgiving and people pleasing was, um, you know, I, I thought I was putting other people first and like helping them, but really I wasn't helping them. Um, it was worse off for both of us. Um, and so that's something that I've learned is, um, yeah, not being afraid to feel the emotion and realizing that when I put my actual desires first, it's better for everyone. That's so, so powerful. And that, that word that you said, desire, mm -hmm. right? Desire, desire, ooh, desire. <laughs> just, just, just like, just feel that word desire, right? And, yeah. and, and, ask, and ask yourself, like when, when you're really feeling that word desire, what comes up? Does it feel uncomfortable, right? Does it feel like, ooh, that, that's like forbidden or, oh no, like I can't do that. Ooh, if, or if I touch it, then it'll be too hot and I have to go away. Or like, I want to look at it, but like, I can't, and I don't let myself or is it like, fuck yeah, desire, yeah, I, I do what I want, that feels good, like, 
right? So really, really ask yourself, what does desire feel like to you, right? I can imagine if you're an overgiver and you compromise yourself a lot, that word desire probably doesn't feel too good to you, mm -hmm. right? Probably doesn't, okay? So one of the most powerful things that anybody that is an overgiver to do is, is be able to step into our own deeper sense of desire. What do I desire? What do I want? Right? And being able to embody that and to be okay with it. Now, there's a lot of intricacies and work that, that's done, a lot of feeling that's done that gets to the point of being able to own and, and embody what we desire, right? But a, a lot of it's just mending our relationship with desire and our own desire that, that really allows us to step into the place of not overgiving because we recognize that we're worthy within and of ourselves, right? And so how do you build that confidence to recognize that you're worthy within and of yourself? Well, it's small little victories of stepping into our desire. Simply as asking myself, what do I want right now? Okay, well, I'm just gonna go do that. I kind of want to go to the grocery store, right? Well, Tom wants to go to this grocery store, but I wanna to go to this grocery store, so I'm gonna to go to this grocery store. Yeah, cool. That, that feels good. I just did what I wanted to do. All right. Next thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. How do I want to handle the situation or, or where, where's the, you know, the next place that I want to go? All right. Where do I, what do I desire? Who, who do I want to talk to? What, like, right, what are, what are my desires? And the more we give ourselves permission to step into those little desires, the more confidence we build inside of ourselves right, that allows us to be more and more confident, allows us to step into bigger and bigger things and to be able to make bigger and bigger decisions. But if we're constantly always, and this is what it was for me, was constantly always seeing what other people wanted and making decisions based off what other people wanted, then how confident can we actually really be? Because we're not listening to ourselves and what we desire, we want. Mm -hmm. So I, I remember having just an insane experience in Miami when I first moved to Miami, uh, being on the beach. It was actually a, a mushroom trip that I had where uh, I was sitting there with a good friend of mine and I was like, I don't even know what my favorite restaurant is. I'm like, what's my favorite restaurant? I'm like, I have no clue. Because almost every time somebody would ask me, I'd say, well, where do you want to go? Mm. Right? Well, well, where, where do you want to eat? And that just, it just blew my mind. And, and that was actually a huge pivotal transitional moment for me was saying, whoa, like I, I want to start to understand myself more. I want to understand myself more without uh, always having to overconsider what people want and what they think. Right. So from there, I was able to build more and more and more confidence in myself. But really, it's being able to step in and ask consistently, moment by moment, okay, what do I want to do? Okay, where do I want to go? Okay, what am I feeling? Right. So I kind of piggybacks a little bit off what you were talking about with, with being able to go in and experience and find uh, the hurt that we're covering up through the mm -hmm. overgiving. Uh, and that's this is kind of like the, the next step with that. Right. And I think. Um, what you're saying reminds me of is something that you also helped me with. It's like the follow your feel good. Um, and when you're following your feel good, like you, you cannot be led wrong. And but I think something that I also struggled with in the beginning, even with following my feel good, uh, is understanding like, what is my feel good? Like, what are my actual desires? Cause I think in the beginning of me doing all of this work, I mean, what I thought I desired back then isn't what I desire now. Some of it is. 
but I realized that a lot of my desires weren't even mine. They were like adopted from other people who wanted certain things for me when I was young or whatever. And so, you know, how do you decipher between, okay, what is my desire? What is my favorite restaurant? What, what do I want to do with my life? What is my feel good versus like, what do I think I want that is actually just adopted from something else to cover up some insecurity I have or et cetera. Oh, such an incredible question, Chris. And such an incredible question. And so the, well, a common pattern that I've found is that in many people pleasers, we have this uh, idea of having to have it figured out. I like, 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 I just have to know, I have to have it figured out and this is what I'm going to do. Okay. Boom. There it is. And we never really give ourselves permission to not have it figured out. And I, and I talk about this a lot, but one of the most powerful things that it's somebody that has always felt like they've had to figure it out or they're pursuing something that might not really be what they want is to give ourselves permission to not know what we want. I know that goes against a lot of what everybody teaches in personal development and what everybody teaches in society of thinking that you have to have it all figured out and knowing what you want and committing to that and going all in on it. Uh, but one of the most powerful things that I was able to do for myself and continue to do is just give myself permission to not know what I want. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, I don't know what I'll want in a year from now. I, I, I might, I'll probably still be coaching, but I also could not be. Uh, so I think I've done a really good job of just giving myself permission to step out of any expectations that I felt like I needed to have or be for myself and step into this perpetual process of being okay with not knowing what I want and following my inspiration. Right. So by continually giving myself permission to not know what I want, because if I attach to things that I think that I know that I want, then that might not allow me to see what else actually could be better for me. Right. Or my next level of inspiration. So that's kind of, that's, that's really advanced to be honest with you to to tap into that. But really, for a lot of people that are so used to always having to have it figured out or really feel like they've had to please and appeal to other people, just give yourself permission to say, fuck it. Like, no, I don't, I don't know what I want. I'm not sure. Uh, and I'm just going to do something completely different from what I've always done. I know that can be kind of scary, but ultimately that's what leads to self-confidence, right? What are mm-hmm. you doing? You're listening to yourself. Okay. And right away, it might not be a great situation. It might not be your dream job. It might not be the perfect life situation. Right. But ultimately making that move of fuck it, I don't have to know what I want. So what would I do? What would I do? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I mean, that's when I look back on my life, especially in the past nine months to a year, the biggest, most amazing moments and things that have happened have happened in ways that I didn't plan. There were a few times, like, for example, when I was trying to manifest my dream home, I was so sure it was going to be in San Diego. Like that was the plan. Like I was going to make it happen. And then when I let go of that, something even more incredible showed up. And, you know, same thing with right now, I, my quote unquote plan was to stay in my dream home. I manifested in North Carolina and to live by the beach and grow my business. And here unexpectedly, I am in Costa Rica and it's even better than I had planned out for myself. I have all the community I wanted to manifest. So it's like, Every time I let go of what I think needs to happen, something even more magical and amazing shows up. And so, you know, for me that it's just every time that happens, I gain more confidence in letting go of my plan because I'm like, I grew up so type A, like I need to have everything planned out. And, um, 
in the beginning, it was like letting go of my plan in little ways and watching things work out for me. And now it's like in really big ways and watching things work out for me. And, um, you know, for me, I like the word I use is surrender. I feel like it's, it's mm. surrendering what I think needs to happen and letting the universe or God or whatever word resonates, um, show me a better way. And, uh, that's kind of been how I've let my life play out. And it's just, it's always more magical than I can imagine. <laughs> that's when it gets fun. That's why yeah. I say fall, like fall, <laughs> falling love, falling in love with the ambiguity. Now, many people listening to this might not be in that position, mm-hmm. right? Financially, business-wise, whatever it is to be able to, to fully step into that. Um, but just as an idea of knowing a, a, a benchmark of what to shoot for, like being able to fall in love with the ambiguity and the consistency of change are the, the only thing that's guaranteed, which is impermanence, right? With, of life is when life starts to get really fun. Right? And, and it allows for us to get out of our own way for God to say, Hey, here it is. This is what you, what you what you really want. Right here. Mm-hmm. It is. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, and, and here's the cool part about it too, is we also live in a society that, that glorifies knowing your purpose. Right. I say, fuck it. Like, 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 don't like you, you don't have to have a purpose. Like you don't, you don't have to have a purpose. And, and honestly, you shouldn't try to find a purpose. Purpose I feel is something that reveals itself which is through consistent inspiration, right? So if I consistently can learn to tap into my own inspiration, there'll be things that I feel deeply inspired to do because I'm gaining more and more confidence in myself that could emerge as something that I call my purpose, right? I I, I wouldn't necessarily say me doing this level of, of coaching is my purpose is something that I'm super passionate about in this season of life. And I might consistently be passionate about it, which could, I call my purpose or I could, but I think letting go of purpose is one of those powerful ways to allow real purpose to emerge. Right. But if we're so fixated and focused on trying to figure out what our purpose is, trying to figure out what uh, our main big goal for our life is, it doesn't allow us to actually tap into what our purpose or what our big goals really should be that resonate most with us. Yeah. So letting go of the need to have to have it, letting go of the need to have to have it figured out allows it to reveal itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go again, doing everything the opposite of everyone else. <laughs> you know, you don't need a purpose. And, but I, I do love that. And I resonate with that so much because, you know, I feel like for me personally, in times when I was attached to something as being my purpose, you know, back when I thought like health coaching was my purpose and then network marketing was my purpose. And then I've had so many purposes in my life. And every time I get so attached to it that I'm unwilling to let go and I'm working so hard at it because I think it's my purpose. And if it doesn't work out, you know, I've attached my Mm. self-worth to my purpose. And therefore, you know, if my purpose, quote unquote purpose, fails or doesn't work out, then I automatically feel unworthy because, oh, wait a second, my life's purpose is this and I'm not succeeding at it. Therefore, I'm a failure and unworthy as a human being. And that was my pattern for years and years and years and years. And now I feel like, you know, I've never put words to it, you know, not having a purpose, but I do kind of feel like that. I feel detached from having a purpose and I am more just following what feels inspiring. And therefore, I'm able to maintain my self-worth outside of whatever is happening in my physical reality, whether it be my career or, um, or something else. So, um, yeah. Wow. That was powerful. (laughs) It was, it was. And what you just said, that example, oh, Kristen, that is so common. Holy Mm -hmm. crap. Right. Because we are, we're we're taught that personal development one-on-one figure out what you want, 
and commit to it, figure out your purpose and commit to it. We do that. And then we don't know the, the law of impermanence. Right. And then we end up, like you just said, attaching to some of these identities that we take on as thinking that are our purpose, making it harder and harder to be able to pivot when we feel inspiration to move on because our sense of self-worth is wrapped up in it. So that is so common. I see it so frequently and it creates a lot of unneeded stress uh, mm-hmm. in our lives, right? But, but, I, but I can say this is that this, this idea of falling in love with the ambiguity of life and being able to live a purposeless life, right, uh, is very vulnerable as, as for human beings. Like it's one of those vulnerable things that we can do because what are you doing? You're detaching from places of security. And so much of, of humanity relies on these stability points of different forms of identity that we have to justify us being okay, right? So if I can know that I'm key in with this purpose, if I can know that I'm key in with this purpose and I'm not key in, I'm key in that is the coach and I'm, I'm key in that, that does this and I'm key in that likes this, cl- this clothing and I'm key in that, that uh, likes to talk this way and I'm key in that likes to travel to this place, that's really secure, right? I'm not saying that I can't have things that I like, but there's a difference between knowing what I like and being attached to those ways of being to justify my okayness. Okay. So there are things that I like, but there, there's a different operating system that says I need to like these things and know that I like these things for me to be okay and feel okay. Right. So, so stepping into a place of being okay with not having a purpose, stepping into a place of, of being okay to step into only inspiration and not having to have five steps figured out in front of me is it can be a very, very vulnerable place for people because you're letting go of these, these uh, rocks that were in the wall to hold on to. It's like, Whoa, there went a rock. Whoa, there went a rock. And you go to try to grab another rock and there's none there. And then you end up falling. And that's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Is it in the falling, letting go and stepping into the falling back? You actually don't fall. You float. Ah! And you're like, Woo! <laughs> Right. And say, Hey, whoa, whoa, I'm floating. Where do I want to go? Whoa. Okay. Let me just, yeah. up, 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 up. okay. I want to go over here. Up, up, up. I'm going over here. Right. And then the limitations are gone, yeah. which is super, super powerful. But being able to get to that place of, of being okay with, whoa, there goes a rock. Whoa, there goes the other one. Oh, grab onto this one. Oh, that went too. And then really saying, oof, falling back and trusting it. Uh, it takes, it it, 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 it can take a lot. It can take a lot. Yeah, that when you let go, you don't fall, you float. That is just, <laughs> that's a key in line. I love that. Um, and, you know, I think a part of what you were saying when you're saying of letting go of the rocks is I was thinking of like, um, you're talking about what you like and stuff. Like, it's like almost letting go of your attachment to certain identities or that's for me what it feels like a lot Spot of my on. journey has been. Yeah, I feel like in different parts of my life, I have to stick to how I was because that's how people know and love me. And that's how I know myself. And so stepping into almost for me, it feels almost like being purposeless and identityless, like not having to have an identity of this is who Kristen is. This is who I have to be. This is what I have to wear, how I have to act, what words I use, how I show up versus like you said, acting from a place of inspiration. Who do I feel inspired to be today? Uh, and that's been a big shifting and turning point for me is like not needing to show up as any version of myself and detaching from what people may or may not think of me if I don't show up as who I was yesterday or last year or 10 years ago. 
Um, and I think obviously you've helped me with that a lot. And that's been really, really huge for me in the past year. Mm. Yeah, this, um, it's, it's the same thing for a lot of the work that we do in the context of a call, Kristen. It's like, how, how do we, how do we become more joyous in, in of ourselves in the context of our calls? Right. Well, we, we do some building up, but we go in and, and we feel a lot of the hurt that's preventing us from being able to experience that joy in the first place that allows us to slingshot up and higher. Right. So very rarely do we get what we want through consciously trying to get what we want. It's the same thing with our purpose. It's the same thing with uh, our, our goals. Right. I'm not going to figure out my purpose to try to consciously figure out my purpose. I'm going to figure out my purpose to letting go of having to have a purpose and be able to step into a place of inspiration that allows for consistent action to show up, which we could call our purpose, mm -hmm. right? So that's the, the, the paradoxical uh, dilemma with life that I feel like a lot of people don't understand is that very rarely do we ever get what we want through consciously trying to get it. When do most amazing things happen and show up in our lives when we least expect it, mm -hmm. right? That's not, you know, a rocket scientist doesn't have to prove that. Uh, and when, when do all of our best ideas normally come up, come through when we're in a chill, relaxed mood, right? Whoa, boom. I, oh, I was just laying down and, and, and I was about to go to sleep and all of a sudden the idea hit me, right? Or I was just hanging out with my friends and whoa, this idea hit me, right? How often when we consciously put effort into trying to sit down and figure something out, uh, do we really, really get the optimal idea or the optimal decision? Not that often. Not that often. I think, I think Brent Franklin, a lot of his most incredible ideas came from him relaxing and doing nothing. And he trusted in that. He trusted in his relaxation to, to allow ideas to come through and come forth. Because a lot of these very famous uh, historical figures knew that operating this place of constant pressure uh, doesn't provide the best outcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, permission to do nothing which um, I think can be difficult for a lot of people, difficult for me to give myself permission to do nothing. Um, I've become better at it now, but you're right. The best ideas come in the midst of not trying to have the best idea. And same thing with happiness or joy. You don't get happy by trying to be happy. And what I personally learned through our journey together is that more joy comes not by trying to achieve joy, but by allowing yourself to feel the depth of the pain that is um, clouding the joy from being fully experienced. And I know you mentioned briefly like you know that we do this on our calls and for people who have no idea what kind of coaching we do um a lot of times on the calls it looks like me crying my eyes out for an hour or like <laughs> releasing anger and things like that it doesn't look pretty um but in the past few months you know on the other side of some of the most difficult weeks and days and months that i've had feeling all of the pain and emotions have been like the most beautiful experiences i could have ever imagined and lots of manifestations showing up in completely unexpected ways. And so, yeah, like you said, on the other side of like everything that you're afraid to experience is everything that you've ever been asking for. And once mm. again, like you can ooh. say that or understand it as a concept, but to embody it, ooh, that's hard. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it definitely, it definitely can be. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's why it's so powerful to have somebody to be able to facilitate that. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and learn how to do it. I even find myself like, I'll, I, like be, I feel like I'm so tapped in and in tune to it now that even when I know it's time for me to do it, I'm like, I don't really want to fucking do it right now. So I'm not going to do it. 
right? I could go in and feel some shit right now. And I'm like, eh, I don't really want to. Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, it's still powerful for me to, to have continued coaching for myself, to have a space that, that I can go to and, uh, and to, to do that and to have somebody else facilitate that. Cause a lot of times it's, it, it, I can't see my own blind spots too. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty fucking aware. I'd say I'm really aware, but like, I don't see all my blind spots, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I also want to say this, a lot of the beginning of the process is a lot of going in feeling a lot of unresolved hurt. Uh, and now there is still feelings and emotions that come up through as you get deeper and deeper into, into the process of unlearning a lot of this, this programming that we have, that's getting uh, in the way of us being able to live the lives that we want to live. Uh, but when we finally surrender to the experience being relatively painful and we can find a certain amount of uh, appreciation for the process of what it takes to truly become more joyous, what normally happens based off the context of this call? Well, when we surrender to it fully and we expect it to be that way whenever we go in, it actually stops being as much that way. Mm-hmm. Woo! <laughs> okay, yeah. right there. So what, if we give ourselves permission to fully submit to the process of knowing that by me going in and feeling all my hurt and, and experiencing that in the context of uh, being able to become more joyous and to get more of what I want in life, the process doesn't become as much of that. That seems to be the hardest part for most people. Getting to the point of, Yo, okay, this is great. I know I'm gonna go. I might, I might ball my eyes out today. I might get super pissed and yell, but whew, I'm ready. Come on, baby. Right? Yeah, totally. So I mean, I think I was gonna say. I mean, it's the resistance to to feeling pain that is more painful than the pain itself. I think, right? You create more suffering by resisting it than if you just allowed it to be and realized that wait, it's not that bad. You know, it's just an emotion. Um, or that, at least for me, that's, that's what I feel has been my experience. Yeah. 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 And then it becomes like, Ooh, what's, what's, what's the flavor today? What's going to show up today? Ooh, this will be fun. Right. right. Well, what's, what's going to come up? Ooh. Okay. Ooh, there it is. Ah, Ooh. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yep. And then I start to second guess it right when I decide right, that's happening, but <laughs> then there's always a little voice in the back, right? That that's, that's been established. that says, there it is, baby. Keep going. Yep. Keep going. Keep going. Right. And you know, I said, keep going. Yep. Mm-hmm. Keep going. <laughs> I, I say it to myself. Yep. Keep going. You're good. And then just go in and, and there's, there's almost like a smile happening above while my body's physically purging whatever needs to be purged, yeah. which is really interesting as time goes on with, with falling in love with that process, next level shit too. So this is really like, you know, once you've been able to really establish a foundation to be able to experience this. But what I found with myself is now, I'm kind of a bird's eye view when my body is going through this experience, right? Knowing that this is just what needs to happen for me to be able to work past and work through whatever it is that, that I'm currently working through. Mm-hmm. Right. So being able to find that joy in that process of it, right. If we can find joy in that, what, what, what can possibly hurt us then? Yeah. If I can go in and find joy in resolving my own deepest shit externally, how much can, can really hold me back? Yeah. I mean, I think I know exactly what you mean. It's like the, almost the inner peace of, I, like you said, the bird's eye view, it's like having that inner peace outside of the pain and knowing that on the other side of the pain is the joy and the love and the abundance and all the things that you actually want, 
you know, so that's what it feels like for me. It's just like, Hmm, like I really, this is painful and uncomfortable and I don't really want to do it. But at the same time, it's exciting because I know it's on the other side. And I think at the beginning of doing this work, it's harder because you don't have the actual physical experience or memories of that happening. But once you start allowing the process to happen, and once I speaking for myself, once I started seeing, Oh, wait, like once I do this, I experience this pain, like, oh my gosh, amazing things happen. And it's been a pattern over and over and over. So now it, it's become easier and knowing, like I truly have the belief of, I know what's coming on the other side of this and it's really difficult right now. And it doesn't feel comfortable, but it's either I lean into this discomfort or I stick with the discomfort of my life staying the same and not changing. And, um, you know, things not getting better and I'm not willing to stick with that discomfort. Um, you know, I feel like it's one or the other. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is, it is. You can even live a, live a, a, a perma painful life of living numb, which a lot of people do, or you mm-hmm. can step into some of the discomfort of what it takes to step out of our old programming and into mm-hmm. a completely different life now, but I, I still want to say it's very, very vulnerable to do and can be very painful. And, and that's why it's really important, I would say, to, to know and find someone that's able to, to facilitate that for you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's yeah. really saving years on your life. Like by me hiring somebody to help facilitate the process in me, I'm saving years, years, right? Because otherwise I would be in the same patterns, running the same programs that I've always done, hoping maybe after the third or fourth time that I'd be able to make a change. Now I catch on to things really quickly. I think I'm really aware of myself and, and when things are happening, but like, I, by me stepping in and receiving this coaching from somebody else, it saved me years. Oh my yeah. gosh. The things I've been able yeah. to do in the amount of time I've had, it's incredible. Incredible. Yeah. I feel the exact same way. So, you know, for people who are listening and are like, yes, I need this. I need support. Um, and tell us more about um, the kind of coaching that you offer and the work that you do and how people can, can find you. If you feel inspired to reach out to me for anything, you can reach out to me on Instagram at kian.loggy. I'm sure Kristen will put the spelling of my name in there. I will. And uh, you can check me out on my website if you want to reach out to me through my website, kianloggy.com. That is also an option. Amazing. And I hope that people do because Kian is incredible and has absolutely changed my life. And I can't even imagine what my life would look like if I hadn't met you whenever it was in May, nine months ago. Um, but with all that said, is there anything that you, ins- you feel inspired to, to leave us with or any words of wisdom um, that you feel like you haven't been able to yet um, get across? Mm. Yeah, well, I feel like I've, I've hoped I've embodied this through the course of our talk. Uh, but regardless of your circumstance or situation, there is a beautiful, beautiful life that is meant to be had for you. And uh, if you've listened to this today, I hope it's provided a little uh, excitement for that. And it's provided a little hope for that. And uh, that we can all have it. We can, we can all have it. It's just really uh, permission that we can step into giving ourselves to be open to it and receptive to it. And then, uh, you know, God will just deliver that. It'll, it'll, it'll be delivered to you. It'll be delivered to you. It will be. You just have to be open and receptive to the idea of it happening, of, of living a life of, of, of joy. Mm. I got goosebumps. <laughs> 
Um, those are great last mm. words of wisdom. Thank you for that. And thank you for being here and sharing this with all of us and all of your wisdom. This was an incredible conversation. And I'm so honored to have you as I think my first, second guest on the show. Um, so thank you so much, Kian. Yeah, Kristen, thank you so much for facilitating this space as well for such a powerful message to be delivered. So thank you. Of course.